Give me a test round. Give you a test round? Why yes. should I give you a test round? Because I'm I'm the one in charge here. Yeah, right. Okay. Here, I'm gonna turn my chair towards you. That's all right, that's important. Because this is a conversation. Yes. Usually. Okay. I gave myself the not squeaky chair this time, so now it's up to you to not squeak. Unless you want me to get me you a solid chair. No, oh, it's okay. I I, I won't squeak. You're squeaking a lot. It's it's not. I don't think it's showing up, but I won't squeak anyway. Okay. Because I'm a professional. Okay. Sure. Where are we going right now? Uh, you have a whole written out thing. No, this isn't written out. This is an article. Oh, okay. I was worried. You said you were unprepared. Yeah, I, I mean, you're more prepared than I am, but okay, let's. let's am I allowed um, to take notes first, on, actually? Because there are like some stats and stuff I do want to use. Take notes? Yeah. On what? Just some stats that I wanted to use. We're starting. Three, two, one. Hey, folks. Um, welcome back to the 22 Hours to Park City podcast. I'm Asher Wertheimer. And I'm Wade Foster. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce the topic today, Wade, because it was your idea. All right. So the topic today, uh, we're just going to be discussing differences in uh, between different generations and kind of different social aspects and behaviors they have. Yeah, that's that's it. All righty. So let's get into it. Yeah. Why don't you start us off? We're going to jump right into it today. Um, this is our second episode. Uh just just as a reminder, this is a conversation between uh, two buddies who sometimes differ in opinions and um, are still buddies to uh, a general extent. I got my no swears sign here, and um, Wade's going to start us off this week. All right. So first off, I want to start by just kind of um, letting everyone know so that we all have a good idea of what all the different generations are. So, um, we'll start all the way back to, uh, well, from 1900 to 1924 was the GI generation. Uh, 1925 to 1945, uh, that's the silent generation. Then 1946 to 1964 was the baby boomers. 1965 to 1979 uh, were the 13ers, or Generation X. 1980 to 2000 are the Millennials or Generation Y, and 2000 to present, present is the new... Wait, hold on. Is this wrong? Of course it's wrong, because each person... Defi- they're, they're defined differently as, like, the Millennial Generation ended in, like, 1997 or something. Yeah. Or, like, 1996. The Millennials are people who are adults today. The Baby Boomers are the parents of the Millennials. And the, uh, and yeah, that's all we really need to know. Put in layman's terms, folks, no one knows what's going on. <laughs> no one knows for sure what generation is what generation. If you're, we're going to say the one that I heard is like 1994 was the cutoff for millennials. So, we're going to say that that's the truth. Um, 
Because otherwise, you're skipping over a whole other generation. You're like lumping two generations into each other. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm going on a different source now, and it does say yeah. 1994. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so 1994 is the cutoff for the millennials. And then Everyone I, after that is the, the Gen Z. Yeah, and then actually it looks like they're using Gen Alpha for 2013 to 2025. Okay. According to this source. Okay. Fine. But we're we're Gen Z. So we are Gen Z. Um our some or well the people who are starting to have kids now are the millennials. And yeah. Alright, so what I was interested in talking about this time is uh I read I had read an article a while back. And it kind of stated the differences between uh, things that we do socially different, just between different generations and as we've moved forward in time. And so, uh, well, a lot of surveys and things have showed uh, over the years is, uh, well, there's strengths and weaknesses to every generation, I'd say. And um, I think one of the strengths that our generation has, which would be uh, Gen Z and the millennial generation before us, is that we have greatly reduced um, a lot of different, probably unhealthy activities like drinking, smoking, um, things of that sort. Um, We've also, um, at the same time, we're finding it more important to do well in school and uh, find a good job, be financially uh, secure. And uh, one of the interesting things that I saw with this article, though, is that um, while we are doing all these great things, at the same time, uh, we're becoming less and less risk-taking than a lot of other generations in the past. Uh, More and more people are saying that uh, they're less likely to go out and take risks just to kind of experience new things or just for fun. Uh, There's less and less uh, face-to-face time between people and um, all sorts of things. I'll kind of look up some more data as we go, but it was just really interesting to see that um, we're kind of losing this more face-to-face social interaction, and uh, I think that a lot of it's because uh, one of the big things it kind of talked about, too, was that uh, with um, our generations, we were kind of raised with the Internet becoming this new thing. And it talked about how, you know, well, if anyone our age has probably heard it from our parents, you know, be careful what you do because it could end up on the Internet forever. So everyone's kind of got this keep your head low a little bit, at least a little bit in mind. And um I think this has caused us to take some less risks. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say so. Um, I, I'd say also with with the advent of the internet, you've had you know, um, you can bring the world to you. You don't necessarily have to go to the world. It comes to you through the internet and through the phone and the laptop and everything. And that's all, you know incredibly beneficial but also you know now i i can i can just go to google street view and roam around paris and i don't have to actually go there um but as a counter to that i feel like i feel like that's often very that's very often seen as a negative thing 
and I don't think it necessarily is all the time. Uh, I think obviously there are downsides and upsides to it. Um, I'm personally not a big social media freak, uh, like a lot of people in my generation, which just not to sound old, which cause I am in a lot of degrees, uh, it, it, you know, it drives me nuts to be surrounded by people on social media. But I also recognize that technologies change and that changes the generation that they evolve in. So like, you know, you look at photos of people just after the radio was invented, like crowding around the radio and everything. Whereas I'm sure, and I'm positive that a lot of people, especially in print media, were very upset about that because they, you know, and sold it as, well, it's a dangerous new thing having someone speak to you through the radio because, of, you know, no editor or this or that, which is, you know, like um, the, uh, the, the War of the Worlds when that was broadcast. Like, everyone knows the War of the Worlds caused all this panic in America and everyone thought we were being invaded by Martians. When in reality, like, a small fraction of the people thought it was real. And the print media made it seem like this big whole thing because they wanted to kind of cripple radio they wanted to say oh look what radio can do it could made all these people panic and think that martians were invading it's so reckless and young and blah 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 and so and nowadays if you listen to the radio for like news or stuff like that that's 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 not a young person thing to do and the exact opposite is happening now everyone who listens to the radio and stuff is saying oh no social media it's so easy to and i'm right there with them sometimes but like I think it gets a lot of flack that it doesn't necessarily always deserve. And that's coming from a person who's critical of it. Yeah, I get where you're coming from on that. I think it does get a lot of pushback, um, just, you know, with all the people saying to lay off screen time and everything. And I don't want to, like, devalue social media because it can be a very resourceful tool in bringing people together and spreading the word about important things. Um, I just also want to um, put out the importance of like more face-to-face social interaction. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I would m- much rather see someone face-to-face. And on a, on a different note, that, that is a whole other rabbit hole. If you're getting your news and information through social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, just stop. Cause just stop. Because it's not a, a, however, you know corrupt mainstream media is you're told that it is or it is or whatever biased all that stuff it is much more reliable than anything you will get on facebook which is i mean that's just or at least if you see something on social media that is kind of like a news type thing at least go to a different um, a resourceful and uh, what am I, what's the word for it? Reliable. Reliable, thank you. A reliable source and look more into it and don't take it for its face value. Yeah, we just, we kind of, you know, you're always told that anyone can post anything on the internet and, you know, this and that. And, and then that kind of becomes a part of, well, the media is very biased and will say what it wants to say and always leans one way or the other, which is true to an extent. It's just that it's it's different because when you watch CNN or read the Washington Post or whatever or ABC, 
it's all you know there might there's a slant this way or a slant that way um and that's why it's important to get multiple views but it's different than having russian news russian sponsored news through facebook which is what you know every intelligence agency has concluded happened and happens so you know weighing a small bias in some media platforms and the easy way to balance that out is being looking at multiple media platforms or just taking at face value what proven russian intelligence agencies have put out for you to read it's just it's 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 obvious to me but again you know that's that's one of the issues that we as a generation face which other generations haven't had to right uh, and i think too we we even kind of have to watch some sources that we might also think they're reliable like different scientific studies and things because uh some of the things about that is like uh, a lot of researchers who conduct these studies uh they are being paid by somebody and oftentimes they're being paid by either uh, government groups or by large corporations both of which have agendas so oftentimes uh, sometimes scientific studies can even be kind of swayed oh, yeah. in one direction or the other and that in order for different researchers to get funding uh, they need to be able to publish articles that are widely read so sometimes there will be a study conducted and uh, when researchers are researching, um, oftentimes they find out that something like one theory they had didn't work. So no one wants to read an article like, hey, we tried this. It didn't work. Yeah, yeah we. Nothing. So sometimes titles of different articles, uh, they kind of spruce them up a bit and make it sound like it's going one direction, but it's not. And a lot of times uh, people read, like, the headline to an article and be, like, kind of make assumptions off of that. Yeah, and the other thing, uh, sort of to piggyback off of that, is um, don't also, when, when we hear things on the news, we hear, you know, well, a recent study found X. And a lot of times you really have to read the study to figure out what they actually said because one of the classic examples is, you know, what was it? There's something about, you know, a recent study found that chocolate is good for pregnant women, oh like helps gosh, the fetus, yeah, whatever. I was just mention that. And the the study has nothing to do with any of that. And so, you know, it, it's it's you have to you have to they look for, you know, something that can be turned into a flashy headline that kind of has something to do with it, but in the end is just totally different from the conclusion that was drawn cuz science is a slow and complicated process and it doesn't lend itself well to flashy news headlines. So that's why it's always kind of, you know, it's egg is a superfood and eggs are the worst possible thing that you can eat. You know, it's two different studies say the exact opposite things. You know, which one do you believe? Well, how about eat eggs in moderation? How about that? Like, because right right and just with like food groups and whatnot too over the years i mean just i think while i've been in school it's changed from like the food pyramid to like the food plate now i think is what they have i don't know if you've seen that or not 
I don't know. I don't. I don't care. Honestly, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen it. The, the little. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's been like probably at least five different things before that too, and a lot of that's in part because um, the government will. I know actually when the government first kind of issued this like kind of eating healthier and like what we should eat. Um, the first time they came out with it, they were like, Americans are like hardworking and they need to eat a lot more. That means a lot of like protein and like red meats and, <clears throat> excuse me, all these things. And then later on, they actually did some more research and they're like, okay, maybe we should lean off of this. This is causing this disease. Uh, we need our vitamins are still important so that way we don't get certain diseases. But then after that occurred, there were a lot of, um, meat industries that were like hey you're saying eat less meat let's not say that because that's causing a bad impact on our business and so things were kind of adjusted in that way as well to kind of help affect the markets yeah the the last thing i'll say on this topic before we move on to or try and you know, touch back on what we mean our topic today of generations is Oh yeah, we went off on. A yeah, we went there. off a little bit. Is that you know, um, again, I'm, I'm not gonna. It's always gonna come back to politics, but um, the simple truth is the way we are right now as a country is if you have money, you have political power, and so if you you know observe what large companies are pushing in Washington, then you can you know kind of see what they want you to do and lean this way or lean that way. And so that's also important to take note. What you're saying is, you know, the meat industry is, you know, they resist this. So, and they have a lot of money. So they throw that around to kind of get people to stop talking about it. And the prime example is the tobacco industry. The tobacco industry is, you know, they're not allowed to advertise on TV. They're not allowed to you know have this and they have to have warning labels on them, all of that. And you think, yeah, like America steps forward. The tobacco industry is just huge abroad. Like they're not allowed to market in America. They mark Indonesia and, you know, the South Pacific, like everywhere else, Marlboro and Camels and all of that is everywhere in the world. And it's so we've kind of solved that, quote unquote, here. Um, We haven't actually solved it. We've pushed it down a generation in that people aren't smoking as many cigarettes now. Now they have e-cigarettes, which are healthier for you. That's those are air quotes. They very much are not. Um, A lot of times they're, you know, worse because. You know, it's targeted at kids more now, which is all in the news now about, oh, well, there's tobacco flavor and everything, but there's also mint and cotton candy and mango and all that stuff, which is very clearly aimed at a certain generation trying to get a certain generation addicted to nicotine. And instead, it's not the line anymore, oh, you know, it makes you cool. It's the line of, this is safe because it's just, you know, vapor or whatever. It's not. And so that's that's a connection back to generations is our parents' generations and our parents' parents' generations, they had the cigarette thing of cigarettes are safe and they make you cool and it's luxurious and all this stuff. And we're like, that's stupid. We know that now. But now we ourselves are addicted to the e-cigarettes. And because 
it's safe or it's safer and it may be safer than cigarettes, but it doesn't mean it's safe. You know, it's the two are not equitable. Small tangent, but um, getting back, why, why don't you bring us back to to another little thing about uh, generational differences? All right. So I kind of want to talk more. I guess this is how we got on the tangent in the first place, but uh, kind of more like face-to-face social interaction and just like kind of uh, a general like trust between uh, one another. Um, Because I think, um, do do you get the feeling that we're more untrusting than maybe we have been in generations past as like humanity or I want to get your... I would personally say that we're more open-minded as a generation. I would agree with that. And as a result, probably more trusting of, you know, our fellow man. Okay. I I just thought it was interesting because at our uh, high school that Asher and I went to, we we had a really cool opportunity. Um, It'd be awesome if, like, every school did this. But um, what, like, our history department did is they put together the round table where they'd have veterans come in all the way back from World War II all the way up to uh, the current, right. So you had an opportunity to uh, talk with a couple of veterans. And uh, in my my discussions with the World War II veteran, uh, he started talking about back when he was a kid and uh, how uh, back then, like, everyone would leave their doors unlocked. Uh, he'd be able to, like, go outside and blow a whistle and all the neighborhood kids would meet up and go play a baseball game and how the milkman could walk right into their house at the milk on the kitchen counter and leave and that was also the generation of serial killers so like i i, I just i, I just want to point that out that that's you know that's a um that was the era of Jeffrey Dahmer and the Manson family and all that, which is, I mean, sixties and seventies, you know, after that. But, um, I, I get what you mean. It, it was more carefree. It was, you know, your kids go out and I don't know what my kids are doing today. Like they're somewhere and they're back by dark. And if they're not back by dark, I hit them with my belt and then they'll be <laughs> back by dark tomorrow. You know, that's the thing is that's and that's the more carefree, you know, loose generation of the the post-war everything. And then media picked up and uh, all of this stuff started getting to us about how, you know, there are people out there that will kill you. And I... I don't think humans have gotten more violent. I don't know if humans have gotten less violent or I haven't looked into that enough, but I would say that it's always been there and this is just now at the forefront of our knowledge. And so I don't know if that makes us, that means we're more fearful necessarily. I just think that now we're thinking a lot more because we're a lot more aware of all the different things that can harm us. And I think a part of that is how media has brought that to our forefront, how, you know, the trials of the Manson family or of Jeffrey Dahmer, again, Gacy. You know, I the interesting thing is, you know, ask a kid to name three serial killers. Like, ask a 10th grader to name three serial killers. 
and measure how long it takes him to come up with three names and ask him to measure th- to name three scientists and see how much longer it takes him. And when I've done this, I'm, it took a little bit longer for the scientists because that's not as exciting as someone, you know, not a very popular one, but America's first serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes, as someone who, like, creates a house of horrors that actually kills people. You don't have people flocking to the movie theater to see the Stephen Hawking biopic, or at least not as many people as to see, you know, Saw 3, because that's adrenaline and rush and everything. And that's also our society as we focus on, you know, the big flashy 10 dead and X, Y, and Z and less on the fact that some kid has developed a way to turn styrofoam into fuel, which he has. Uh, So I think it's just more widespread. And as a result, our parents were more, no, 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 you're not, I'm going to know where you are at all times. And as back to technology, we have, you know, a phone in our pocket, so I can know where you are at all times. So why wouldn't I? It's irresponsible for me as a parent if I have the ability to know where you are and know if you're safe, it's irresponsible if I don't because if something happens to you, then it's my fault via inaction. Whereas my dad's dad was like, go into Manhattan, go get me the flower you know, delivery and bring it back to Brooklyn. You'll be gone for four hours. Take these $10, you 14-year-old, and do it. That's not a true story, but it's st- like stuff <laughs> like that that happened. Wait, so are you saying it, that you should like track your child on no. their phone if no. you're uh, no? Okay, no. I no. want to clarify no, 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 that because no, 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 no. it sounded like you were like no. responsible my, for no. GPS tracking your child no, if, if they went parents, to like a friend's house. If my parents did that to me, I would blow a gasket. No, my point is. Uh, I think that's the mentality of even if it is not, you know, I'm going to turn on location services. It's going to be, you know, my mom texts me. Hey, where are you? Like, uh, I'm at Waze. Okay, You know, are you going to be home? Blah, 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 all that stuff. It's that as opposed to, you know, you can't do that in 1970. You you pick up the landline and say, where where's Asher? He hasn't been home in like a day. Like, Let's pick up the landline. and is he at Jack's house? No. Okay, well, let's call. You know, Is he at Liam's house? No. Okay, is he at Wade's? Oh, he's at Wade's. Okay. See, like, that's a as opposed to just, where are you at? Bing! That. And so it makes it so much easier. And so, therefore, if you don't take advantage of that, then, you know, then you're, you're irresponsible as a parent. So why wouldn't I take advantage of that if I can ensure my child's safety? And that creates this whole bubble of... Well, now I have to protect him from because now he does have this phone and now he has access to all of this stuff and people that can hurt him. Now I have to protect him from all of that. And I have to protect him from this and this and this. And this is where you get to people who, you know, have recess in an office building, like like proper recess where you go outside and play dodgeball and stuff like that. And um, not that there is anything wrong with keeping the child in you alive. I'm all for that. Uh, It just seems like. People are growing up um, and kind of having difficulty moving out of that bubble. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And so, uh, honestly, it's I would rather know where my kid is at all times um, than have him dead. But 
I also recognize that there's a certain amount of risk that your kid is eventually going to have to take. It's just, is it an overt risk? Like, is my kid walking home from school alone? It's okay. Something could happen, but I'm not going to, you know, constantly tell where are you or track your phone to make sure because, you know, autonomy, you know. And if my kid gets into a, gets into a stickball game on the way home, then get into a stickball game. I'm not going to freak out that it came home an hour late. Come on. Right. So do you, would you say that there's, um, perhaps, uh, maybe a larger illusion of risk than what they're really, cause I'm not saying yeah. there's no risk. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely say that. I would okay. say that it, it breeds that feeling of, you know, paranoia. And, um, and I think, I the my biggest fear for my future child in this country is um the amount of guns on the street uh and that's that was my mom's largest fear like when I finally graduated high school like she told me like she just thought thank god he's out of high school because I like Every single time something would happen in some school, high school, middle school, elementary school, she would think that's going to happen where we grew up. She said, that's going to happen because it's the ex- – she says, you know, everyone said, oh, it could never happen here. She for years has been, you know, this can very well happen here. And I agree with her, and it almost did happen at our high school. Yep. Um, and so I uh, – that is also my largest fear for my children. Um, you know, everything with a kid, he gets hurt. That that happens with children. You, c- you can't protect them from everything. Um, and so, for me, just to to wrap it all up, for me, it's it's not so much the idea that whereas like we're less carefree or we're more carefree. I think it's tied to the fact that we have the ability to know where our child is at all times, so why wouldn't we? And I think that if you gave parents in 1960 the ability to know where your child is at all times or to contact them anytime you have a worry, then they would start to become more like the parents of today because now that I have that ability, I'm going to use it, and now I'm going to think about, oh, wow, no, 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 I should probably check in on them, blah, blah, blah. Whereas you have no choice in 1960, you know, because your kid has to go off sometimes. So you're like, okay, well, then I'm going to get used to not being able to knowing where he is. And then your kid goes off. Right. I think I'd agree with you. Like if that technology was available, then like more people would take advantage of it. Um, I guess kind of more what I'm trying to get at is, is it uh, health? Like, I don't, I don't know if I should use the word healthy. I guess I'll use it. Is it more, like, healthy that we are kind of taking more and more of these precautions with... Because, obviously, when you take more precautions, we are kind of imposing on more things. So, I guess what I'm asking is, where is that middle ground, then? Somewhere. <laughs> it's somewhere. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't... It's for... Uh, It's, it's, I forget, I keep forgetting who said it, but someone, one of the founding fathers said, you cannot have total freedom and total security. Like one precludes the other. So 
you know, you think, are we safer uh, in a in a in a country that constantly monitors our every actions, where we have drones flying above and cameras everywhere and all this and that? Are we safer in a country that does that? Sure, but we're not as free. And so, like to take it back to my point about weapons, you know, in in a perfect world, just get rid of every single gun on the street and no one has guns but this isn't a perfect world and so you have to find the middle ground of who can have weapons and how much loops do they have to jump through to or hoops do they have to jump through to get to that um and what weapons should be available and so i think it's the same thing with uh with your child's autonomy i i would say you know my parents uh we lived out in the middle of the boonies so I couldn't exactly walk to a friend's house, but I'd go off in the field somewhere and they'd, you know, come home and Asher's, I mean, it's somewhere. But even when we did get phones, they didn't have location services on all the time and blah, blah, blah. They got mad as, you know, the devil when I didn't text back and they needed to know where I was and then they got, they got scared. Uh, but it wasn't a constant, you know, so I would say the middle ground would be check in, know what your kid's doing for that day, and then like leave them be, because you know they gotta they gotta have their own experiences and get stung by a wasp and you know whatever, do all that. It, it's it's good. It builds character. Um, but again, you gotta find that middle ground for yourself. So yeah, I I would say it has the potential to make our generation um, for us to atrophy and kind of not develop those skills that are as necessary to um, being a good member of society, like being able to take criticism and being able to handle with adversity, all that stuff. And that is also generational in that uh, schools used to teach what are called soft skills where, you know, you had to give criticism to other people and take that criticism and used to teach them how to interact with uh, each other as a society. And then at some point in the 20th century, it was decided that that should be done at home, that your parents should teach you the morals of, you know, respect one another and this and that. Um, But that varies in homes. And so some parents didn't teach it at all. And some parents taught you should be totally respectful of everyone. Some people taught said our way is the right way. Everyone else is crazy. And so not taught these, these kids weren't taught that those soft skills in schools. And there are some certain schools who are doing a program where from kindergarten on, they're taught these and they have to, you know, draw a picture and they have to be told, you know, in kindergarten by other people, like what's bad about it what's good about it, or you have to build something, what's bad, what's good. And those kids, as they grew up and went into the workforce and went into society, were statistically more likely to be promoted, more likely to be hired, more likely to be paid more, more likely to keep a job, to work better in group projects, because they've been exposed to that from the beginning. you know. And that's, I think we do that in American schools a bit too much in that we you know, you can't tell the kid that was awful. You have to, you know, well, you can do better. 
you can I think you can you have more potential to do better in the German schools their teachers you know that was horrible and they would swear at the students they'd be like that was terrible what you, that is an absolute failure come on man and that kid did better next time because he got like he got whipped a little bit and and so I think you know you you tell a student a teacher said that in America said you know this was by and far the worst group project I've ever seen you say that to a student in America you're gone. You're you're fired. Oh yeah, the parents would be after him. Yeah, I'm sure exactly. most parents would. Yeah, that's, I want to say all. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous because you know that's again that's the babying of that's that's the equivalent of you know this is the participation trophy. My kid gets a participation trophy. It's going in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna be the dad that you know only winners get ice cream. You like, you tried. You tried hard, and I'm proud of you for that. And that is what counts, is if you tried your hardest, you should be proud of yourself, no matter the outcome. Right. Because you gave it your all, and you're going to get a cone of ice cream. But you you don't get a trophy for not having one. That's the incentive. I think at least past, like, maybe, like, age five or something. I think when they're real small, you can do yeah, that. Well, they, but, they, like, they, they it won't get, matter, no. but then... Yeah, they, they don't get the, the... Once they've reached that echelon of competition... It's like my, my dad used to play chess against me. He didn't always let me win. And he did sometimes, you know. Oh, I'll play you left-handed now. And then you play chess again. Then you realize when you're 20 that left-handed doesn't it doesn't matter what hand you play <laughs> chess with. <laughs> it's the same game. Yeah. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a thing of, you know, it's okay. You tried your hardest. You'll get better. Perseverance doesn't come immediately. And I think that's more common in our. Ge- I think that is true that that's more common in our generation. Um, I do think we get too much flack for a lot of things. You know, like uh, the youth of today, they they lump us in with the millennials. But you know, millennials and Gen Z, like oh, they're killing this market, or you know, because they're on they're streaming, they're killing the you know DVD or whatever. Millennials are killing X market. You know, there's dozens of headlines about that. And uh, what it comes down to is, you know, times change and what we want changes. And um, and we also get into um, commentary from baby boomers and whatnot, such as the uh, I saw one that drives me up the wall. That is uh, it says the student debt crisis and it's in parentheses and not parentheses quotation marks. And it says solved. And it's a guy pointing to a chart, and it says, step one, you took out a loan. Step two, pay it back, and that's it. And he's saying this to, like, a recent graduate because he's in his cap and gown. And the point is, you know, oh, you took out a loan. You took out this decision that you're going to take on this debt. You got to, you gotta, you know, pay it back now because that's the responsibility of the situation. When the reality of the situation is, You've kind of made it that way, your generation, is there is no other option. If you want to go to college in this country, you have to take on massive amounts of debt. And that is the only reality of it because of the people that the previous generation have voted for and the companies that the previous generations have invested in that have, you know, just taken this economy and twisted it to their own benefit and the government that has made education a profitable thing as opposed to something that should just be given to you um 
like we've talked about in other countries that are where education is not necessarily free, but a lot cheaper. Because, you know, if you want a successful country, you want a well-educated populace. And uh, we just don't, I mean, I meet people today who are, you know, doctors and saying, yeah, well, I just paid off my student loans and I'm about to retire. Like, <laughs> that's a reality, you know? And so to say, well, I mean, uh, that's the responsibility you take on the debt. I have no other choice. I have no other choice. Because without a college degree in this country... You can't really, I mean, there are jobs that you can do. You can become a corrections officer without a college degree. That pays pretty well. But not everyone needs to become a corrections officer. <laughs> become a teacher, college degree, take on massive amounts of student debt. Who wants, and then deal with all this regulations as we have now for teachers and pay them the way we pay them. You can have a teacher shortage. That's the a simple fact and that's the effect of the previous generation on ours is we've been you know all of the things that have happened in the last whatever however many years they were 56 70 years you know the, the housing market crash and the, the bank banks all of these crashes that have set up our generation for failure and then the previous generation says well, this is all now your fault. Look, look at what you're doing. You're killing this market. You're killing the diamond market because you're not buying diamonds for engagement rings. I can't. I, I can't. The minimum wage is trash. I can't survive on the minimum wage with one job. Well, I could. Well, the buying power in your day was, you know, incredibly powerful, and the economy wasn't as trash as it is now. Good start. Good. Uh, <laughs> good. Good start. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm keeping the no swear sign in good view. Um, I'm gonna throw it back over to you, Wade. All right, so that was a good little rant there. Yeah, it's, there's gonna be a lot. Um, I think I agree. I agree with a good amount of it. I don't know if we can quite say. So it's definitely not our fault. I don't know if we can just be like, "This is all your fault. You screwed us over." As in. Perhaps it was, but I don't think it was like a direct like when as like maybe when if we were our generation was born at that time, we probably would have done the same things that eventually led to our generation. Or are you following? Well, me yeah, 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 I'm following you. I'm I'm just saying there's some things like you know, like in the housing market crash when all the experts are saying, guys, if we keep doing this, it's not gonna be good. It's not going to be good. And they just, nah, we're, we're going to keep doing it. And then look at that. It wasn't good. So I'm saying, like, you know, there there's the there are people who had foresight enough to say this isn't going to end well. And then people just disregard them and then doesn't end well. And then it gets pushed on to our generation. But, yeah, I see what you're saying is that, you know, we may have done the same thing. But the fact is we didn't. It's a lot of the previous generation which again not entirely their fault obviously there's a lot of factors um it's just you know a lot uh you can't expect the next generation to exist the exact same way that you existed you know right is what i'm saying is that that's that's just the way time works is people change over time and so you, you just kind of have to understand that. And if you don't, ex if you expect that for them to be different, then you're going to take away a lot of the, uh, the suffering that you're going to inflict on yourself. 
but I interrupted you. Go on. All right, so uh, one other thing that this article kind of talked about is that um, entering college students today are more likely to say that it's important to become very well off financially and less likely to say that it's more important to develop a meaningful philosophy of life. And so the difference is uh, it looks like 82% of 2016 students saying that becoming very well off financially Verse 47 saying developing a meaningful philosophy to life. Um, where is in, read this here. Uh, looks like 1966, um, only 45% of students said uh, it was more important to be very well off financially. Okay. All right. So I guess kind of thoughts on that. I don't know if you have. Why, why don't you go first? Because I've been going first this whole time. I don't okay, fair, fair. Yeah. I guess I've been asking you a lot of things. I don't want to rant and rave without ha hearing from you. So I guess that kind of gets back to, I think we might have talked about this last time. Did we talk about last time uh, having, I guess, more like more people leading to a life of more material gain and wealth? As no, that was in the first recording. Our second recording lacked that, yeah. Yeah, so for you guys that don't know, we had some technical difficulties with our first recording, so we ended up having to do a recording 2.0 for yeah. our first episode. Yeah, that's okay. We'll touch on all the stuff later. Right. So I guess kind of what that leads to is the thinking that more and more people are thinking that more uh, there's more in material value than, say, um, having just a good philosophy and outlook on life. Um, I think personally, through my experience, uh, actually, I don't know if I'd say this going into college. College has changed me. But um, uh, kind of maybe going into college, I would have said it was more important to have material value. Maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to dig into freshman year of college, Wade. But um, I think as of now, I would for sure say that it's more important to develop uh, a better like philosophy and kind of meaning on life um well, uh, what's your take on that? i'd agree i'd i'd say it's it's more important to know about the world and about your place in the world and what you want from the world and all that and that's why you know i would say i would urge people to go and explore and do something you know take the time before you go to college and experience something new for a year to however long you want to do to do it so long as you know you should never do what someone else wants you to do it it's it's got to come from you um and so i i would say it's very important to develop that before college i'd say more important than financial but probably the reason I would give for that is um, that most people lean towards the financial aspect is again, you know, let's look, look at our, look, look at our country nowadays. You can't survive without, you know, making copious amounts of money as, as the middle class who the, the majority of us are. And it, uh, so I, I would make sense that a lot of those people would say that. I'm sure if you ask them a follow-up question of why, it would probably be because I, ha I have to. You have to. You have to make that money because if I don't, 
I'm going to go under because I have to pay off these debts that I'm taking on and I have to afford a car in America. The majority of the time you have to have a car. I have to, you know, afford health insurance because that's also expensive and I have to pay for heating and housing and all of these things that are all bundled together in the fact that we're kind of just left to our own devices here. And as opposed to, uh, you know, Norway, where it's your, you know, it's $1,000 to go to school for four years. And, and, and after that, and your health care is taken covered. You don't have to worry about that. You know, my our, our buddy, our mutual friend in Germany thought he broke his arm, just went into the emergency room and was like, I think I broke my arm. They scanned him. They're like, no, you didn't break your arm. He goes, cool. Who do I pay? They're like, go home. You don't pay anybody. Whereas here, to get an x-ray done of your arm, you know how much that would cost? It would cost a lot. There are, pe- there are mothers who sit outside emergency rooms with their sick infants and wait to see if their infant's fever goes up before they take them in because their infant is clearly sick. The only question is, how sick are they? Are they going to get better? And they're willing to take the risk because they know they can't afford to frivolously rack up an ER bill. And so take that all into account and consider why they think they need to have more money. I, I bet if you asked someone in, you know, Scandinavian countries or in Germany or in any of those European area countries, I bet the answer would be different. I bet the answer would predominantly be, I think it's important to have a uh, more of an outlook on the world or a developed life philosophy. Um, and so, and that, again, with our previous generations, our parents and their parents, I, I think that's the reason why the numbers are different there, too, is because, you know, they didn't have to deal with this as much as we do. It was starting then, but it's really, in the past 20 years, been this massive uptick in all of that. So kind of like just the, in general, the cost of living going up. Yeah. It it costs a lot to live in this country and to raise a family in this country. Like you said the last podcast, you said, you know, you'd want to generate a lot of money so that when you have children, you don't have to work as hard, which is that's, you know, that's a, a valid and smart point. But the more revealing thing is that you're thinking that. Mm-hmm. You know, my 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 uh, the mother of my godson and my boss when I was in Germany the second year, she had her kid two years ago, two years before I one one and a half years before I showed up there. And she was still on maternity leave because she was just, you know, you have to take time to be with the kid. Men have paternity leave, too. You know, you you take time as a family, you go there and that is paid leave because they recognize that the family is so important. As opposed to here where it's you, you know, if you have no, like people are using their vacation and sick days so that they can spend like the first six months with their children. That, that's, that's just a fundamentally broken system where your priorities are way out of whack. You can lose your job because I want to have the first three months with my son. That that's ridiculous. And everyone agrees on the surface that that's ridiculous. But then when it gets down to the finer points of what does that mean? Well, that means, you know, you have to create these programs that are not going to be totally beneficial for the corporations. 
and you come back to who has the money, the corporations, right? Who has the power? The corporations, because, you know, Citizens United, the Supreme Court case that basically allows corporations to take part in the political process to a major extent. And that it's because it's decisions and laws like that that just allow the money to control the politics as opposed to the people. And that's that's a broken system and not democracy. And so, yeah, I mean, looking at stuff like that, that's the reflection of it is that's what you end up having is you end up having people who say, I would rather, you know, have a lot of money than have rich experiences. Rich in wealth as opposed to knowledge. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> I think, too, kind of on top of a uh, higher cost of living, uh, would you say, uh, I, I also read another article, it's kind of about, like, just, um, I guess, how psychology plays into how we spend our money. Because I think with uh, Americans, kind of the psychology is you really want to at least have the, like, appearance like think about everyone like anyone looks up to could you name like a poor person that like a majority of people be like oh yeah they're uh like think about all the movie stars actors out there yeah Yeah. no 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 you're right yeah yeah. we look up to the people who are wealthy and who are at the top and successful because that's you know you want to be that right right and so i think there's a lot of pressure too to have the new whatever iphone that comes out and even though there are lots of other phones that maybe aren't as name brand but still have um, about the same processing power and features and things. I have an iPhone, you have a Samsung, and I willingly admit your phone is far superior to mine. <laughs> Way better. The only reason I have an iPhone is, like, we got a, uh, we, we switched to T-Mobile because I was going to Germany, and as a result, like, you know, materialistic Asher one, you know, we had a chance to do an iPhone, and my family was doing iPhone, so I'm like, all right, I'll get an iPhone. And I have a Mac that, so the cross, you know, I don't have to do cross-platform things. But, like, looking at it now, absolutely, your thing is better. But it's a, it's a quote-unquote, status symbol of, you know, you bought the new iPhone 11 and the jokes are true. It's the exact same phone. It's the exact same phone. You know, small little updates. And they don't put it all at once because they want you to buy the next product. Right, yeah. My uh, One of my professors joked the other day, we learned how to calculate the percent uh, per dollar that a corporation makes, like actually goes to like profit, like net income. And he said that one of the highest was actually Apple. And he's like, yeah, you know that uh, phone company that just changes out the camera and charges you another $1,000 yeah. for a phone every year? Yeah, yeah. I'm and I mean and I tell you this all the time I say the consumer in me like the capitalist consumer in me says I want an Apple watch or I want like one of those smart watches and then like every time I'm I, every time I'm in that area of the like the store I look at them and every time like I look at the price tag and I say okay you know I can technically afford this like I, I have the money to buy this and then I think but I don't need it like I do not need it I don't see how this can improve my life in any way but you know, it's the urge of new flashy. Like you're gonna wear it off the future. You're gonna wear it on your wrist. I don't need this thing, but I want it. You know, and I I haven't bought one, and I don't think I will. But like every single time, it's just 
this is awesome and it's I want there, it. right? And if you have the money and you're just like, yeah, why don't I, I should save this? Yeah. But yeah, really, like I think you know, um, and so yeah, I I think I think it's definitely also a part of the culture of, you know, materialism. It's, I want to, you know, we we are spoiled by selection here. You walk into the in Germany, they're like, this is the supermarket. I'm like, no, oh, this is like a farmer's market. This is tiny. You get lost in a Lowe's. You know, I can I can wander for days and not find my mom in Menards. And so that's our thing is, you know, it's big. We have all these selections. You go into the candy aisle and it's just <laughs> everything, everything. Right. Like when I met your uh, friend from Scotland who we went grocery shopping with. And he's like, how do you even decide what to buy? There's like 10 different kinds of Pringles. Yeah. You decide your niche and anyone who doesn't like it, you know. You hate on them, you know, Pepsi versus Coke, rock and roll, <laughs> go Coke. But yeah, that, that whole, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a part of that. You know, I have the more, I have the flashier car. I have the bigger truck, all that stuff. I get uh, got ragged on before my brother destroyed it. We had a Prius and I loved that car because I got great gas mileage. It was environmentally efficient. And, you know, our buddy had a Jeep and he was, you know, you and your dumb Prius and blah, blah, like I don't care. You can, you know, driving through the swamp, you'll outdo me. But when are we going to be driving through the swamp? We drive from Grand Rapids to Ann Arbor. You stop three times for gas. I'm there with like three quarters of a tank still. Go Prius, man. Like rock and roll. I don't care. Hey, it looks beautiful. And and to spin off of that on something that we'll probably touch on at some point soon. Um about the uh the whole uh environmental thing is that um you know we as a generation are you know you're told you want to leave a better world behind for your children and that's one of the arguments for combating climate change is think about the kids think about leaving behind a better world for your kids that's why you should take action and it's not even that anymore it's you know saving your own life you know even the people who are on the higher end of the baby boomer spectrum in their 70s and 80s they're probably gonna not be here to witness the most of it but we are like we who are in our 20s we're staring down the barrel of this stuff and so i mean, I, I told you before we started recording i said you know you can there will be a generation after us as they are naming the generation after us there will be a generation after us but they're, they will not be here as long as we will be. Like, in, in the way we are heading right now, if you say, you know, you're 19, almost 20, say you're 20, you have children when? When you're 25? 25, 30. 25, 30. So 10 years down the road, and we have 15 years at a maximum before this is straight-up catastrophic end of the world, so you have children when you're 10, they're five years old when we, when we really are at that. And we're already past the breaking point. We're even going to sail over the edge of this cliff. The only question is how long do we stay there? And so when you say leave a better world behind for your children, it's not even that anymore. It's you're 30, leave a better world, <laughs> like leave a world at least, and you're not going to. Not for your kids, not for you. Like you, th that's what it's going to become. And so... When you look at a lot of people who are, you know, fighting this, they're, you know, it's it's the older generation of, well, this is not, you know, this is, 
a naturally occurring thing. People who straight up deny it or who think that, you know, it's unfair that we as America have to put forth more work than X, Y, and Z. You know, we, who, who cares? Who cares? It's going to hurt industry. Who cares? I get it. Pe these are people's livelihoods you're talking about, that they're going to lose jobs and it's going to be horrible. But come on, man. Come on. All right, I'm going to slow you down a little bit. I'm sorry, I got, I got way, off way off track. Um, uh, so if you can't tell already, uh, Asher's quite a strong advocate for the environment. Yeah, um, we're all going to die. I'm also an advocate uh, for the environment, not quite as extreme as my friend over here, we're though. Just, I mean... We will get yeah, to we're talking gonna get into about that. the <laughs> environment <laughs> one episode, so I'm going to pull us back to our... That, that, that reminds me before... Um, this will be out after it. Never mind. There, there's Greenpeace is organizing protests all across the the nation on September 20th. But this will this will be out after that. So um, oh, I can't attend. I'm doing the Area 51, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Yeah, now people are like walking out of class and everything. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll have to look more into that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. But that's gonna be after this anyway. Uh, look up what happened near you on September 20th, um, and you know maybe keep an eye out for that next time. But yeah, you're right. You're right. That's that's off topic. Okay, so yeah, kind of pulling us back uh, to the point where um, more and more people are seeing more of a value in uh, gaining more material and money goods. Um, I kind of wanted to bring it to the point of uh, studies have also shown that more and more people are kind of experiencing. Uh, anxiety and depression and things and I think that this probably does connect with you know everyone's trying to gain more material goods and they're uh, like you said kind of going to college to try and do that that's putting them in debt that's giving them more and more work they need to do and worry about while at the same time kind of trying to juggle their personal life with everything else so I guess I don't know what I'm asking here. I'm I'm more just but kind of putting no, that I idea get, I get, out I get there. it. Yeah, and and I think that's again a um, bit connected to everything we've discussed thus far, in the whole, you know, your this is the society we live in now that we have been over the past couple decades building this pressure onto the middle class that is going to, you know, put a lot of pressure on them, and so naturally people are going to be more depressed because I'm working three jobs and I'm barely staying afloat. I can barely meet my rent or, you know, if you're on the lower end of the spectrum, like I'm, you know, I can't, I can't go to the hospital or I can't, you know, I can't afford enough to move my family out of this scenario where a lot of people then turn to crime as the only other recourse. Um, and, uh, and I think that, I think if you look at it, our um, humor is a part of that. Like there's the whole thing of, you know, Again, people call it millennial, but it's kind of more Gen Z. Of uh, our humor is very dark and pointless sometimes, um, and I think that's grown out of the f the the fact of like we we're faced with all this stuff, and so the only escape is humor through a lot of times, and that is a result. And so as a result, it's kind of dark and you know kind of the the whole pointless like th this makes no sense this joke or this meme makes no sense but it's funny 
because it's just anything from other than like the reality of the situation. And I actually think that's related a lot to like the generations of um, that grew up and fighting in World War Two and stuff like that, because that was also a point when it seems like the world's ending, like it, it's going down in flames, you know, and you get stories of dudes just like strolling around in the middle of a firefight smoking cigarette and like not caring because you know i'm it's it's all it's all going down anyway so it might as well have a have a good chuckle about it and so i I think it's interesting that you kind of have that mirror of you know across generations my parents still don't always get our jokes though i i don't either yeah uh, if for those of you who don't know wade's 20 but he's actually a baby boomer um (laughs) i'm i'm 66 in my heart but my my humor spans many decades but I, I definitely associate with a lot of our humor. Wade with none of it. <laughs> uh, all right, so kind of going back to that initial point, I, gu- I guess kind of what I was trying to say is just uh, obviously we both agree on that kind of. So um, just, you know, as you go through life, you know, don't try not to worry about the guy next to you, you know, doing better than them. Uh, just do what you need to do in order to make yourself the most happy um strive to be successful but not at the expense of your own happiness you know yeah absolutely it's the um it's the thing like i i tell my i my dream is to work in theater somehow and i'm i don't necessarily want to be a a a-list celebrity I i would if i could wake up at you know six in the morning every day and go and do something with theater and, you know, say, well, I want to go on vacation. I'll save up for two years and I'll go to Hawaii for like a month. Like, you know, I'm not making money. I have to put money away in order to I have to plan well in advance if I want to go on vacation. I'm okay with that so long as I'm doing what I love. And the um, probably the anecdote that I would that I would sign off with is uh, after a theater performance, I was talking to um to a gentleman and a woman and uh, the gentleman he was saying that he uh, he was a substitute teacher for a high school for a lot of years and um, one of the students like was having trouble deciding where to apply to college and everything and the guy said you know wh- wh- what do you want to do like what does he want to do and the guy goes I, I don't know he said well, you want to do something you have some passion about something he's like what what do you want to do any dream that you have like name it he said I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can to help you realize and the guy goes honestly I want to work as a bellhop in a resort. Like, I, I want to work just as, you know, some guy doing, you know, manual to help people to their rooms, whatever, something small, just at, like, at a resort. And the guy said, go down, go to Cancun, go to any camp. He said, you don't need a degree for that. You don't have to go to college. And the guy's like, but my parents want me to. It's not their life. You don't have to go to college. And even if you want to go to college later, you can do that, you know? Go, so he said, go down to resort, apply, you know, get a job there, or save up money working, rent an apartment so you have some place to stay when you go there, get a job and, and do that if that's what you want to do, you know, and that's gaining experience. And the woman next to him goes, yeah, but I've been to those resorts a lot of times and um, I can tell you that it's not th- those people are making dirt like cheap money like they are not making a lot it's the people at the top who are the ceo so it would make sense if your goal is to make the most money to go in get a business degree in college start your own resort and build it up over years and years and i thought 
Maybe my goal isn't to make money. Maybe this kid's goal isn't to make the most amount of money that he can. That's maybe your goal, but maybe this kid just wants to work at a resort and wants to do that, you know? Be a ski instructor. You make little money, but you have room and board, and you give a free pass to snowboard down the mountains. You're not going to get rich, but you're going to have that experience. And so that's what that was really telling to me is that she was assuming that he wanted the same thing as her, that he wanted to make the most amount of money possible, and that the way he was going, he wasn't going to do that. And that just wasn't – it didn't connect with her that he just wanted to – want to experience this thing and so i would say if it's you know if your parents want you to go to college or you know someone say oh you'd be a great xyz or you know to make the most amount of money you should go into computer programming if if your heart's not in it i would honestly go insane if i had to be behind a computer every single day you know i could make the most amount of money that i could but it would drive me off the deep end and it's not it's not a long drive for me but um that's that's my that's my thing is i think that that's i think that is a a bigger also part of the generational divide um in that and that question we had earlier is what do you think is more important i think if you changed it to what do you like want like if you explain like what do you think you know not as so much in reality is important more of like to you personally is important i think the numbers would probably shift you know i'm talking about the money money before college or experience before college i think the numbers would probably shift um shift on that one so this is the exact same thing we said last time um you know seize those opportunities and Define your own success. Motivational speaker. I should slap that on a t-shirt. We're getting some merch. Um, any, any, you were, you were the, uh, you were like the quiz master this episode. It was, I apologize if I, I uh, ran with the line a little too much. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. I, I appreciate it. They were good questions. This, this is all interesting things. They were so good questions, yeah. You were much more uh, set than I was with the, with the statistics and the and the articles and everything. Um, anything else? I don't know. I think that might just about wrap it up for this one. Unless you got anything else you want to bring up. No. Um we haven't teased the the next topic, but we didn't do that last season either, the last episode either. Um, so I think we'll leave it a mystery for now. All right. It's just it'll be interesting, hopefully. <coughs> and um, uh, again, uh, as we mentioned last time, if uh, anybody's interested in sharing their opinions or, um, or uh, you know berating our opinions or anything of that sort uh you can go to anchor.fm and uh or download the anchor app and um find the old uh find the uh 22 hours to park city uh podcast or we do have our twitter account Uh, if you look us up 22 hours to park city it is at hours city you know and uh send us out a tweet and we'll uh We'll discuss it next time.
Reminder again on those, no swears. Yeah, no swears. We are we are broadcasting on WOCR 89.1 The One on Olivet College, uh, FCC regulated, so no swears. And again, if I can make it, you can make it, folks. If you can hear how impassioned I am without letting letting them fly, then you can do it too. I believe in us. All right, Wade. Asher. Always a pleasure.